everyone. Welcome to the Skeptically Inclined Science Podcast. We're on episode 49. I'm your host, Evan. Hello, I'm Tom. And welcome wherever you're listening to today's episode from. We have a really exciting episode today. Tom, uh, what are you going to talk about? Yes, so I've been very excited over the idea of artificially grown meat in the lab. And I finally got around to look into the topic. So I just want to talk about it see if it if it actually makes sense from the environmental point of view and mm. if it makes sense from the welfare of the animals point of view and and a little bit of what's the current state of affairs uh, you know whether this meat is currently available and what companies what are involved doing? in it and such yeah okay yeah. interesting so you just had a whole meat overload at christmas so you're just thinking <laughs> okay i want to be a better person I th- well, what's into la- what kind of lab meat can I, I do eat? want to be a better person, that's for sure. <laughs> and yeah, and maybe I should mention that I don't know if we should say it's it could be triggering for some people <laughs> who have like special feelings about animals, because I'll be talking about yeah, like eating meat and a lot about meat yeah. and meat cuts and stuff like that. So if you're sensitive to I know, these kind I of like, things. Okay. Well I don't who know. knows? I think, I, I, as long as you're not visually showing it being done. Yeah. I think yeah, we should yeah. be okay. Okay. Um, oh yeah, today's episode, I'm just going to give a quick overview of science events to watch for in 2023. So what to get hyped for, what to be excited about, and yeah, just see uh, what you think as well, Tom, if you agree. Um, okay. So yeah. Looking be, forward to it. Should be a good episode. Um, mm-hmm. And happy new year then, Tom. Uh, happy new year to you as happy well. Happy new year to all our audience. Um, do you have a, a nice intro into the year <laughs> yeah i think it was nice i w- i went to this uh i went to this pub with the f- uh, with a friend of mine i got locked in the toilet for like 15 minutes <laughs> because one person collapsed and blocked the door uh, it was a drunk person what oh yeah Someone... i didn't tell you no yeah so i was i was in the toilet doing the thing that you do in the toilet and there was this guy <laughs> next to me and he was uh he was just about to leave and then I hear this this huge noise. I turn around and there he is, literally in the middle of the door frame, just on his belly, face down. And he just he was I think he was drunk and he, he tripped pa- and he just passed no, out. No, he was just drunk and he tripped. He lost balance, I think. Yeah, but was he passed out when he fell? Oh no, he was he was fairly awake. He was cursing and oh, okay. saying loads of things and <laughs> yeah, and the ambulance had to come and take him to the hospital because he just went face face front uh, to the floor and it was just a yeah, it was a lot of blood involved and broken oh nose God. and stuff like that. Yeah, so I spent 15 minutes in the toilet being trapped. But then it was nice. I made a few phone calls and we celebrated. <laughs> well, you're in the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> Happy New Year. I'm stuck in the toilet. <laughs> Can someone get me out? No, it's a typical thing to happen to me. Yeah, uh, it sounds like it. I said their they friends were like, where the hell is he gone? Is he just ditched us? Yeah, the Polish exit. And... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, but it was fun. And then um, I, I, I woke up next day and I was pretty fresh and I've enjoyed my New Year day as well. Uh, yeah, and that's and about it. You're back to ha- normalcy. Uh. S- yeah, well, I definitely it took me a bit, bit of a time to get into the rhythm of yeah, it, but I now, everyone, now it's fine. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. How about yourself? Yeah, it was just a quiet New Year's. Um, we got to meet up again for Christmas. That was good. Um, that was some party like yeah yeah we got to go to galway 
Yeah, so that's kind of it. And that's it, yeah. Before we start the science bit, I just want to congratulate congratulate you on finishing the run. <laughs> I think I think it's important to recognize these milestones. milestones. And, I have and you been w- running. It's not like I haven't done any running before this, and I don't. So basically, the context is I I did my first park run. So they're just five k um, in the park. Usually, they're found all over the country of Ireland. Anyways, yeah. So I went to my first one. And I finished it. <laughs> so it's a good initiative, man. Yeah, and yeah, for yeah. Play, for no, it's good. It. It's a good um, incentive to get out and yeah, do the whole New Year, New Year, New Me. That's <laughs> it. Because you could have stayed home in bed and do nothing, you yeah. know. But like you decided to do something about it, and yeah. that's the most important yeah. thing. It is great when you're up and you're finished. You're like, <clears throat> now I have the whole day ahead of me. I've done my that's exercise. Um, yeah, and then it's when you're running, you. when you're running with other people, it does help. So. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but I definitely, Congrats, man. Mm-hmm. I definitely recommend if you want to do one, try. If you haven't ran up to that point, please like try and just slowly work your way up to it. Don't just go land there on the day and be like, I can do five k. I no. think maybe maybe some people can do it. I can't do it. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Well, like maybe people who probably like run on the regular basis can just stroll into it and yeah. and and do the five k. But like you know, like I've I've sat through entire christmas on the couch like potato <laughs> so like this christmas yeah I, yeah I just have to i have to build up again yeah. everything that i had worked on over the summer like because it's gone so yeah any like, any you have to train any other new year's resolutions or any yeah i i well this is not a new year's resolution because i've started it before even before the new year's eve but i am very conscious about my meat consumption oh, okay so this is going to go into your topic yeah, cause uh, I wanna. Yeah, I want to do better, and uh, yeah. But like, so, okay, maybe maybe I'll ask you when we were talking about the topic, right? For, for um, yeah. and I I actually have eaten a vegan burger there. I was like the first vegan burger I ever had. I bought what it in Lidl, so Did I was like pretty it? proud of myself. Yeah, it was actually pretty good. So good. You definitely good. know good. it's not meat, but it's not like bad enough that I wouldn't eat it again. So yeah. Yeah, 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 fair play. Okay, on that note, on the yeah. note of the vegan burger, tell me <laughs> what to look out uh, in the future for. Right, so what What do you think? What do you think will be... Have you any ideas of what's going to happen in... What's your What's your most look forward to event in 2023? Uh, do you have any? I want to hear more about... I would like to hear more about the cancer vac- uh, vaccine against the cancer. Mm. That is something that uh, was... Uh, in the, on the uh, fringes yes and other things some uh that's one you're most looking forward to yeah yeah no so oh, yeah, yeah, i was yeah, going yeah. i was gonna yeah so that's one of the events i definitely <laughs> um i think is one to look out for so as we all know mrna vaccines were uh, rolled out for the covid19 pandemic uh, and we've we shown we show we were shown how effective they were uh, in dealing with this um, and like it, it's triggered now a host of new developments especially in cancer vaccines using this mRNA uh, technology um, so mm-hmm. basically BioNTech in mines in Germany they're expected to initiate first in human trials for mRNA vaccines against malaria tuberculosis and genital herpes in the coming week uh, and they're also collaborating with Pfizer to which is based in New York City to trial an mRNA-based vaccine candidate to reduce the rate of shingles. 
And as well, it, this was actually just really recently announced on the 6th of January uh, this year, the UK government announced it was partnering, partnering with BioNTech, um, which we all know the company that created the first COVID-19 mRNA vaccine to enroll as many as uh, oh, 10,000 patients in a trial for new mRNA cancer vaccines. So this is actually something that's happening right now. They're actually enrolling people. So, so it's, it's happening. Like, Okay. Yeah, yeah. So it's yeah. not like oh, they're still developing or they're they're at early stages. Like they're actually recruiting tr- patients now for their trials. So it's a huge step forward considering the company was founded nearly t- fifteen years ago, as uh, and that was the original target to develop these therapies for mm-hmm. cancer. And some of the patients in the trials will have cancer that has already been treated, and the vaccine will hopefully prevent it returning. And others will have advanced spreading cancers, so the vaccine might help shrink and control so they're kind of trying to test to see in what patients and where it might be effective so so i don't know if i missed that but have you have you named what sort of cancers they are targeting with Uh, these vaccines i haven't seen i think it could be main i I think it could be i I didn't actually say i don't know if they announced what cancers they're they're recruiting for um i know that they have this is something a topic i actually think i will come back to and talk about more in depth I don't mm-hmm. want to go give it too much because I, I want to talk about it more maybe when there's a bit more announcements. So mm-hmm. this is just a brief uh, overview <coughs> of what what's um, what's going on right now. And then just in case um, people don't know what the difference is between like chemotherapy and this mRNA. So the unlike chemotherapy, which just attacks lots of different cells as well as the cancer, this mRNA is tailor-made for the individual and prevents the immune system, sorry, it presents the immune system with bits of genetic code from the specific cancer so it can ta- it can attack only the tumor. So it's mm-hmm. more this personalized medicine, which is going to be coming to the fore, uh, more specific treatment to to deal with each person's cancer specifically. This it is quite expensive, but it's supposedly going to be afford. BioNTech said it's going to be affordable for healthcare systems, but yeah, we're still having to see if what the cost is going to be. But it's great to see that the US, the UK government, actually going ahead and trialing this. So, um, that's that's can really I, interesting. Can I ask you what do you think about this treatment being called vaccine, given that it's <laughs> yeah, given that it's <laughs> the stigma, uh, yeah. <laughs> And um, is well, it going to, it's not really sorry. preventing cancer, it's fighting an ongoing condition. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, so do you think <coughs> it should be, should be still well, called vaccine? I think this is what they want to do with the trials, because I'd say they most probably will pick people who've never had cancer, then the ones who've had cancer and they've overcome it, and then people who have cancer right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I suppose in the they'd be the the latter two cases they're not gonna they're not really a vaccine isn't really the right term but i suppose if it's for people who've never had cancer and then they're going to study the rates then yeah that's what you would call it but i like it's it's i it's i don't know like look at the end of the day changing the name is it really going to make that much of a difference for people to say oh i will get it or not if they're already skeptical about vaccines i don't know maybe yeah, well, we'll see. But the uh, best of luck to BioNTech. Yeah, and the, and Moderna as well. Just to mention, they're doing the mRNA vaccine candidate for viruses that causes herpes and shingles as well. So they're all both looking at these other viral um, 
infections. And then the last page with the, the vaccine is that they're both trying to now, uh, they're doing a phase, BioNTech and Pfizer are began their phase one trial of an mRNA vaccine to protect both COVID-19 and influenza. So again, they're trying to combine, do a combination um, for these, mm-hmm. or for both COVID and the flu. Yeah, uh, it makes sense given the current situation. Everyone's coming down with the yeah, flu. exactly. So if they can come up with something, it would seem like it would help a lot. Um, and then as well, they're trying to use these fast-acting nasal sprays to deliver the COVID nineteen vaccines. But I think these sprays have been shown to be effective in animals, but the road to human trials could be long. I've heard, I think I've read a paper that said this hasn't been as successful as they thought it would be. So this might even come to before yet so we will wait and see i guess uh, we have to and then on to advanced stargazing your favorite topic so uh, the as we know james wells web space telescope it's took amazing photos so we're hoping to see even more photos released from that as well this year then the euclid space telescope under development by the european space agency is intended to orbit the sun for six years and capture photos to create a 3d map of the universe and it's going to be due to blast off in 2023 Um, and then in japan their aerospace exploration agency has an x-ray imaging and spectroscopy spectroscopy okay let's let's roll let's roll roll with that yeah uh mission um so it's an earth orbiting satellite that will detect x-ray radiation from distant stars and galaxies it's fascinating isn't it and then the other one is they have a the vera c rubin observatory in chile it's start to do to take images in july 23 uh, and the telescope, which is a special three-mirror design and a camera containing more than three billion pixels of solid-state detectors, will be able to scan the entire southern sky in just three nights. Um, so that's going to be cool. And then the other one is the world's largest steerable telescope, which is in Xinjiang in China, will be switched on, and it will be, again, able to observe 75% of the stars in the sky at any given time. So we're going to even get more info from the skies... Do you think we in the in the like the peak of the space exploration right now? Uh, it seems like it. Yeah, it seems like there's huge renewal of interest. Um, mm. The other one that's uh, there's a there's a huge thing in now is the moon as well. This moon missions happening, where the last year I was at the end of last year where they had NASA had sent up a a, a uncrewed capsule to just orbit the moon and come back down. So that splashed down on Earth on the 11th of December. So there's going to be three other missions that are going to be launched moonwards this year. So it's the United Arab Emirates has a rover. NASA has another lunar flashlight rover, rover, I think. Or maybe it's just a... I I don't know exactly what it is. I just know it's... It's something. It's something that's going to be launched to the moon. And then the Japanese have another... um, something that's going to be launched to the moon as well it's going to attempt a soft lunar landing in april um and then the indian space research has a third moon exploring mission which is going to land near the south pole in mid 2023 and then the final one which i don't think is going to happen the spacex is supposed to launch the first civilian trip to the moon um you know they have the 11 people they speak um one of them is Irish, but Irish definitely in italics. I think she's uh, 
their American parents Irish. are. I think her parents are like n- nomadic. They travel on a boat, and I think she just literally got born in a hospital in Cork. Oh, okay. Because they were <laughs> they had to dock in to get there. I think that's how Irish she is. She if she wants to identify as Irish, I don't. Have, I have no problem with that. So okay. Still go useful. But anyways, so supposedly there is meant to be a six day private space flight. I think there was this Japanese guy who picked the candidates, and he's helping fund about. I think a lot of it. Um. So they're meant to be the end of this year, but as they as we know, like they. The, the SpaceX rocket is Starship, but they've only just tested the rockets. Like, they haven't even tested like the, anything else yet. So, I asked John about this. He thinks it's not going to be till 2026. So, as, as SpaceX always does claims early. Yeah, we... Uh, <clears throat> yeah, ev- everything that comes out of this man mouth, <laughs> I think it starts to... I, I start seeing this more as a science fiction rather than proper science. yeah. yeah, yeah. Did you um, listen to the yeah. the gurus? Oh yeah, I never. It's so crazy to me that. So is this another podcast? The skeptical. Oh, sorry. The decoding the gurus, and they talked about Elon Musk, the very divisive figure. Um, and it's funny where I've listened to interviews before where he talks about like where he goes on the 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 production floor and he talks to this team about this part, like this battery yeah. pack, and he'd be like, "Oh, but why do you use that part?" for the battery pack and they'd be like well we don't we don't know but they in optical design they say you need it and then i ring optical design and ask them about it and they said oh we don't need that part so he's the one who's doing the 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 troubleshooting right there yeah, and then and, it, and at the, when i listened to that at the first time i was like oh yeah maybe he does and now i'm thinking about it, like that sounds like such a lie like it doesn't like why would that no. happen in a in a company where he's just like on the whim figuring this out and he's yeah. the one who figures it out like it just it's hard to <laughs> it sounds like something you'd say in school you know to your friends like you know there's always one person who has that that lies over over embellishes everything yeah like he's I definitely... don't believe anything he says <laughs> I'm sorry and the I'm whole done. he has the whole uh he's been promising automated autonomous driving since like 10 years now he's like oh it'll be next year next year Exactly. And it's never look, been proper. Look, just because he talks slowly, it doesn't mean he's a genius, okay? Let's just let's yeah. move on. Let's move on. But what I wanted to say is that I feel you feel that right now, with all of this space exploration and stuff like that, we literally are recreating something that happened on Earth like five hundred years ago, you know, when it was this golden age of sea exploration. We were like oh, mapping okay. all the continents and like going off bringing our diseases to native people and stuff like that and this is like this is literally like a something very similar but on a much bigger level because now we're just sending okay we're not sending like wooden ships into the space (laughs) but like we're sending all of these uh signals from these telescopes and we are being able to to see more and more of this visible universe and i think really it is just a matter of time before we yeah, before the science fiction turns into uh, into Reality. a proper science and a proper s- space exploration, which yeah. that would be really, really exciting. Yeah. So space is the new frontier. That's it. Star Trek all the way through. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's exciting times. Who knows what um, what they might find? Um, it's great to Life. have it. 
Yeah. Um, God. I, God. Who are, where, where are we? Can, yeah. Um, so then the other bits to look forward to is I will just mention CRISPR as well. And I've talked about this on our podcast as well, but just to give uh, a bit of an update, it might hurl the first approval. This year might actually give the hurl the first approval of a CRISPR gene editing therapy following promising results from clinical trials that use the CRISPR-Cas9 system to treat beta thalassemia and Mm -hmm. sickle cell disease, two genetic blood disorders. So I've covered this before. At the moment, the, the, the treatment options aren't great. Um, but now they're seem to have uh, a treatment using CRISPR-Cas to treat these, which would be so revolutionary and game-changing because mm. wouldn't need as many blood transfusions and um, yeah, it would just save, it would reduce so much pressure on the health systems in general. Yeah, um, it's called the exagamglob gene. It's autotem cell, so it's XSL treatment. It's being developed by uh, two Massachusetts companies. Um, Vertex Pharmaceuticals in Boston and CRISPR Therapeutics in Cambridge and it works by collecting a person's own stem cells and using the CRISPR-Cas technology to edit the faulty gene before infusing the cells back into the person Um, Vertex is expected to apply for the US FDA approval in March um, to make XSL available for people with beta thalassemia or sickle cell disease so that's really exciting that should be really cool I'm definitely on board for that and monitor that as well i think we really want to see these crispr therapies to mm. really like being used in the proper therapeutic context where like masses could be treated with it yeah right yeah. i think that's that was always the goal uh, in the research lab crispr is used non-stop now but of course it's it's either done on animals or or cell lines and such but we need to, to now point, get to the yeah. next stage so yeah, it's it seems it's pretty like it's not like a regular medication where you can just inject it or give it orally. You have to like there's a lot of work that goes into it. So mm-hmm. again, you're like, how feasible is this in some countries, especially in African countries that are the ones who suffered the most from it? So right, um, but it's still a promising. I'm not can't deny it. It's a promising treatment. So we will watch. I mean, it 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 has to start somewhere, right? And I think we can take it for granted that the best chances to developing this therapy and optimizing it have have the countries that have loads of money and can just pump it into it and and get it done and and then we just have to rely on the um human solidarity with each other and 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 made it available to those who need it the most yeah and because definitely. after all we all need to look after each other <laughs> yeah and then the last one i wanted to cover my favorite i've talked about this as well um, the Alzheimer's drugs. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> How did you know? Because <laughs> I saw. I I think I was going through the Nature website recently, and uh, and some other uh, science websites, and there was a lot about uh, Alzheimer's drugs and the fallback and what needs to be done. And I was I was looking at it. I didn't read it per se, but I was just looking at the headlines, and I was thinking to myself. I can bet hundred euro Evan Evan's gonna say something about this. I just I just had a feeling. Yeah. Well, I haven't. This is just very brief. Um, I don't know. Did we mention on this? Um, there was a new drug that was developed. So there was a, originally uh, adesibumab, which was mm. uh, given FDA approval. Very controversial. Like the tr- trial was cancelled, and they 
um, reanalyze the results and they're like, oh yeah, there is actually a benefit now. Okay. So another drug was developed again and it's the same company. It's by Biogen. It's lecinemab. Um, it's a monoclonal antibody again that clears the amyloid beta protein if you don't want to if you don't want to hear more about this maybe go back to that episode i can't remember which one it is but you'll find it in our episodes um so beta amyloid amyloid beta protein it builds up in the brain in um, alzheimer's so this antibody will clear it the clinical trial involved 1795 people with early stage alzheimer's and showed that the lecinemab showed mental decline by sorry, slowed mental decline by 27% compared with a placebo. Um, but there's controversy because it's only shown to be a modest benefit mm-hmm. in only early stage early stage Alzheimer's and there is quite a lot of safety problems with the drug or concerns about the safety of the drug because you have to get um, MRIs because it can cause brain swelling and there's still there was kind of some things highlighted in the trial about the um the amount of like side effects serious side effects uh if right. you take the drug at the same time it's good to have suppose something there for people because i'm just like i've heard people with alzheimer's now diagnosed and you're like god they've nothing at the moment so uh, i know i know and again it's an emotional response mm-hmm. but is it well, the question is: Is the is it worth it? Yeah, is it worth taking it? Yeah, yeah. I suppose this is, and again, I suppose we're the the way it is is that everyone seems to think if we clear the amyloid beta protein, you solve the Alzheimer's, but that's not the issue. We need to make sure that um, that we know the underlying uh, pathophysiology of Alzheimer's because just because it they clear the brain protein doesn't mean that you cross all the Alzheimer's because we sh- sh- it's been shown that some people get Alzheimer's they don't have the beta proteins mm-hmm. um, sometimes it doesn't mean that it's going to solve the issue you're just assuming that it is based on that whereas we need to maybe understand better why um, why this is occurring and maybe we could try better treatments the other Alzheimer's drug that's actually been developed it's, and it's going making its way through clinical trials i don't know if it's going to make um if if it's going to get uh approved this year maybe mm-hmm. it's called blair cess <laughs> blair i d- i hate when there's a c in this word i'm like is it sir or cur? it's blair cess sar- blair camacine blair camacine okay we'll go with that blair camacine. okay sounds it's, good yeah it's developed by anavex life sciences in new york city and it supposedly activates a protein that improves the stability of neurons and their ability to connect with each other. So already reading that, I'm like, that sounds better and maybe a bit more promising than like just mm-hmm. clearing the beta pro- amyloid beta protein, which they've done two trials now. One didn't really work. The other one's very modest. So I'm like, is this really the way to go forward? Where is this a new way, new target being um, targeted? So... That seems say. like an interesting approach to it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. um, the amyloid plaques that like, is it a cause of the disease or is it just a symptom of disease? Mm, yeah. And uh, whereas we definitely know that there is some a neuron, neuronal dysfunction happening during the progression and development of Alzheimer's. So targeting that, yeah, it's a different avenue. It's something worth exploring, mm, it seems like. Definitely. It. Yeah. So that's 
what to look forward to in 2023. Um, if you hear it on the news, just remind you, we told you first. <laughs> yeah, it's, not, it's nice to see, Evan, that you kind of are moving like because at the start i know like you were like really into like the COVID 19 and you were like banging on about it forever and now it's nice to see that you're moving Branch from COVID towards alzheimer's and uh, yeah. yeah yeah now it's alzheimer's every yeah <laughs> yeah but it's nice i like it i like it thanks yeah. for thanks for updating me and um, no yeah i'm definitely all of these things that you mentioned are definitely exciting and yeah, yeah. we should keep an eye on it it's exciting yeah. times um yeah so yeah I f for some reason like this space thing it's I think most appealing to me but okay. i think it's because i'm the most detached from yeah because yeah that's what i mean like yeah it's the f one that's the least relevant to what you're doing yeah but, but yeah, i think that's most... what could be yeah, most interesting well not in all of them are interesting but it's most kind of intriguing well in it could way. be the most like revolutionary game changing oh definitely if we find something yeah. not to say we're never going to get a picture of aliens but <laughs> um it'd be interesting to see because we it's so much unknowns out there so that's it yeah there's so much unknowns well thank you evan right so right um, so um tell me about when i can eat this yeah i don't meat. think you'll be able to eat it in europe anytime soon to be <laughs> going to the lab and put it in the oven uh well <laughs> my burger actually, at actually uh the, what I found out, the first guy in Europe who actually grown burger in the lab and ate it, it was back in 2013, and it was a uh, it was a professor from Maastricht U University here oh, in the okay. Netherlands. Yeah, and of now course. he's he's now also he's dead. <laughs> no, 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 no. He's uh, he's he he's, died I, from eating the burger. This is this is hearsay. This is not true. <laughs> uh, he's 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 well alive. He's he's still working in Maastricht, and uh, he uh, to some extent he's also involved with this uh, with this field of developing science now. But the reason I I wanted to look into it is because I have. Um, like a funny relationship with this with food and meats and you know one day i could be yeah like 100 percent carnivore um you know we we went to when i was in dublin um, back in september we went oh, to yeah. this barbecue place that i don't think ever seen a vegetable uh inside you've never seen vegetable <gasps> inside that place yeah, even so, i was like wow there's yeah. so much meat how much has died for yeah, this. The, like it's so it was a up. lot and and i also have moments where i'm like oh i'm cutting out meat out of my life completely and yeah. you know and but I, recently i've been quite consistent in the consistent in kind of reasonably reducing my meat intake and then i decided at some point that i will only eat meat when i have like a heavy exercising days and and such just yeah. to try trying to be healthy about it but yeah but now i think like the this 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 artificially grown meat like how like how would that change yeah. the game and you don't you know? have to feel bad about exactly and it. yeah and whether you feel bad for environment or whether you feel bad for animals mm. I, I i i wonder yeah i wonder if this artificial meat is the is the answer to it yeah. so, so and the I, question, know, I know for mm -hmm. me as well like i want to try and cut meat out as well but like for me growing up you had meat with every dinner like every every dinner was always meat and it's like it's so ingrained in you and your brain mm. your brain <laughs> but like, I, even I, you got mm -hmm. one 
not even i i just want to yeah i will not agree with you because when i was younger and my mom would prepare a dinner and like i wouldn't want to eat something she'd be like just finish your meat and you can leave <laughs> you can leave the potatoes behind or you can leave the salad behind so it's just like like the meat was always like the, the best part the, yeah the the main character on the plate like you know just yeah. just finish that but and it is it is something you're like you're you're it's not a proper dinner if it's not me it's just and your brain and it is definitely maybe i don't know i'm sure there is science behind but like it is in a and like it's like a craving you need like a meat craving that Mm. just and if you crave it too much then you get meat sweats (laughs) yeah well i've never had that so (laughs) okay but um so yeah so my question was is cultured meat or cultivated meat an answer to issues associated with industrial animal farming and um and just to and clarify as well this is different to the plant-based meat um replacement meats that yeah we are very talking, common they are they are available but this isn't available no yeah we're talking here about literal muscle tissue being grown outside of the animal in the laboratory setting and then being processed in a certain way to made it available for consumption as yeah. meat so i've been calling it artificial meat but what I have learned through reading is that the, that first of all, the first the first term that was used was uh, v- uh, vat meat, uh, VAT, you know, like a brain in a vat, vat meat. Then they uh, they changed into uh, lab meat, lab meat, and finally landed on cultivated meat, which is the preferred term used by the CEOs of the industry. <laughs> Obviously, it's marketing think, better. Yeah, I think it's just massaged, but literally, it all means the same thing. Yeah, a, a, a muscle tissue grown in the lab. Cultured meat is presented by its advocates as a source suitable alternative for consumers who want to be more reasonable but do not wish to change the composition of their diet and i think this is a very reasonable uh things to say i don't think that this uh cultivated meat would suddenly convince all the vegetarians to 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 change their diet i just don't think it's gonna work like that oh yeah why do you say that because i feel if i would be if i'm a vegetarian that gone for years not eating meat oh, okay i'm just just because you grow in something in the lab i won't i won't betray my beliefs for that just for, for that it's just it's just i don't think it works that way okay. but i want to i want to just tell you a little bit about maybe a general meat consumption and why something has to be done about it so in 2021 there was around 132.3 million tons of poultry meat consumed worldwide making it the most consumed type of meat globally Mm. pork was the second most consumed and then followed by by beef but like as well because even now with like having the bodybuilding or muscle building it's like it's all revolves about round eating chicken Rice yeah. and protein and like rice and chicken eh yeah that's it like so and it like it, that's like massive now it's a massive industry so yeah just to have I, something to target that alone exactly. that already would change the the the, the field i would yeah. i would i would think so and you know as well the the growing population because we humans keep reproducing and i think there are predictors that by 2050 there's going to be nine billions humans on on this earth so for the growing population we need more resources leading to a relevant increase in the food demand 
pig and poultry production system have reached high performance levels over the last few decades. And together, those sectors provide a large amount of affordable and nutritious food, uh, especially rich in high protein. Um, this contributes to the food security wor worldwide, but at the same time, it produces a lot of waste. And um, yeah, if you, you just thinking about this industry farming, it's not it's not good for animals like i have to say that what farming so, yeah like the industry for not i don't mean like this uh, ecological farming i mean this industry a uh, huge agricultural animal farms like i just don't think they but like do you mean in in um in 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 big sheds or do you mean like in like ones e including even outdoor and indoor no i mean the big sheds where they keep them oh, yeah. in the in the as a stalls called whatever they keep them in this close confinements like yeah. I've, se I've seen images they never see daylight that's it yeah it's just because it's all being mass produced you don't really care for the you don't see animal for as a being you rather see it as a as a as a product. as a already product yeah so at the global level livestock production contributes to greenhouse gas gas emission overuse of fine resources such as land water and and phosphorus uh, development of antimicrobial resistance uh, the threat of emerging diseases such as uh, you know the, the the swine flu the the bird flus and uh, livestock production contributes to nutrient surpluses affecting soil and water quality and of course as i have already mentioned it multiple times in this introduction there is a more ideological side and more ethical issues surrounding animals treatment um, in this and slaughter so there was a Dutch Dutch study uh, carried out not too long ago, I think a year or two years ago, and Radboud University was also involved in mm -hmm. it. And they wanted to see how farming affects uh, humans and environment. So uh, how farming affects the human health. And, um, and they mentioned things like exposure to particulate matter, which is this fine uh, particles being released from areas from sheds and from farmings, farm sites and how this could affect you know these neighboring houses and neighborhoods that uh, live within the cross proximity and so the um, so there's a primary particular matter which is a dust emitted directly from animal production facilities and can affect nearby communities and secondary particular matter originates from reactions of ammonia nitrogen oxides and sulfur dioxide in the atmosphere and can affect communities over a great distance. And such exposure uh, causes premature mortality and severe respiratory and cardiovascular diseases. The, the main contributors to the burden of diseases are primary uh, particulate matter emissions from poultry farms and secondary particulate matter release, uh, release to uh, ammonia emission from cattle, fa yeah. cattle, cattle farms. There are also issues of antimicrobial resistance. So that's kind of circling back to what you have mentioned uh, in your in your yeah. what to look out for in the future so there is an increased evidence for an association between antibiotic use in livestock and antimicrobial resistance in humans but can i uh, mm -hmm. sorry don't to finish that point because i have some like you can't use antibiotics in the eu like that's that's okay. banned so it's only i think in america mm -hmm. but they still use antibiotics and, and i think in asia as well um, okay well, so thank you for clarifying just that. To, just so you don't have Dutch people like <laughs> protesting at your house, Dutch farmers. <laughs> okay, well, fair. So thank you for clarifying that. Thank you for cutting me out on this. But 
this this uh, yeah this antimicrobial resistance it's extend the spectrum of beta lactamases E. coli's and that could yeah contribute that could contribute to some serious diseases in 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 humans. Um, other thing, of course, is the uh, the release of the greenhouse gases by the uh, yeah. The Dutch livestock production is responsible for national emission of 18 by uh, 10 to the power of 9 kilograms of carbon dioxide. In 2018, the latest years for which accurate data is uh, was available from the Food and Agriculture Organization, livestock on the EU farms were responsible for the equivalent of about uh, five, 502 metric tons of carbon dioxide uh, a year, mostly through methane, uh, which was released. Right. The livestock livestock industry contributes to 35% of methane, which has 23 times the global warming potential of carbon dioxide. Yeah. Methane emission mostly occur, occur as a part of the natural digestive process of animals and ma- manure management of livestock operations. Methane emission from livestock livestock are estimated to be about 2.2 billion tons uh, of carbon dioxide equivalent. What's more, the extensive cases of deforestation associated with industrial farming. Of course, this is not as important in the case of uh, Netherlands or Europe, but, but it, exactly that's where I was going for. You know, the deforestation in the Brazil Amazon rainforest is the, for the purposes of animal agriculture has been tied to seventy five percent of coverage loss of the forest, which does not only means that there is less trees; it means that the bio in the native biodiversity of the rainforests are also affected because yeah these animals lose their habitat and they just die yeah. which is which is awful uh, further on there is also water management and pollutions you know these this 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 for run, the, runoff of that, um, exactly I, yeah of uh, waste uh, <laughs> animal waste I, <laughs> so I think like you yeah you know a little bit more about these things so it's actually, nice and then can, can I clarify actually it's yeah. not the antibiotics is like not in meat like production of in the raising of the animals like to increase their growth because the antibiotics mm-hmm. can be used for that mm-hmm. uh, but I, that's that's uh, illegal but I mean the conditions that they're kept in often they get sick and then they're right. used they have to use antibiotics to help to, um, to keep them alive keep them alive yeah so yeah. there's a lot of antibiotics being used there so there again that's and especially in poultry, yeah, um, they are like really humid conditions usually to help growth. So it's just a, like a feeding ground for like like infections to happen. So yeah, they again have to. Maybe they're not using it to grow up the the chickens, but they're definitely to keep them alive. So and you I have think to that's what they so were referring to. Yeah, yeah, because um, yeah, yeah, you're right. It's illegal to use them antibiotics to make them grow faster and bigger. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, so these are just so I'm what I have done here is basically I just scratch the surface mm. and uh, and uh, throw some number around. But like I think, I think it's evident that these huge animal farms they they're not the best. They're not the best for human health. They're not the best for the environment, and they're not the best for the animals themselves uh, to be treated that way. So. On the one hand, you can, of course, go this um, vegetarian or vegan way um, where you where you just give up uh, these uh, consumption of meat. But as you have pointed out, like we do have these cravings and we do come from 
if you don't have a, like a strong will and you not you don't have this inherent compassion and an ethical drive one might never think about giving up meat and like, right and as well like people a lot of people don't know how to cook or aren't good co- uh, cooking so it's just easier to use a meat yeah and yeah. it's just so much like straightforward to get flavor or that's tasty it. Just tasty to make it tasty so just uh, fry it and and that's it like you and know. what would you would you have would it just be all of the above or is there one that you're like more outrageous? i think for for me was the the way we affect the animal farming affects the environment yeah that was that was my main concern i think that's but now mine as well. I, I can't i can't escape the the suffering of animals now it's it's echoing somewhere in my head louder and louder and um yeah i don't know if i'm annoyed about this or if i'm happy about this that i become more aware of these things but nevertheless it's it's in the back of my head and it and it starts scratching more and more and um, that was one of the reasons why i wanted to look into that subject as well because yeah it is it is a solution worth exploring nevertheless yeah, yeah. so i think the best way to start is uh just let's talk about the production process of this of this meat, given that this is a science podcast and not ethical podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's let's talk about the production process because this is this is what we are interested in. So it's a tissue engineering based culture meat. It uh, production largely depends on the large scale cell culture technologies, which could provide significant amount of cells, allowing allowed for allowing for meat production. Large-scale cell production systems aim at producing as many cells as possible with the least of the required resources. Because at the end of the day, it's a business. So you want to put less and get out more out of it, like, right? <laughs> uh, minimal, handling and, uh, minimal handling and short culture period for sufficient number of harvested cells are commonly considered factors for efficient uh, cell mass production. So it'd be kind of a, a handy job just to come in, make sure that the bioreactor functions properly, make sure that all the, the cells are being continuously fed, uh, see that there is nothing funky growing inside. That That's it. You 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 do the checklist and, you know, very minimal hands-on yeah. kind of uh, 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 ex- uh, work, which is also good because you want this meat to be, uh, this procedure to be standardized with the minimal uh, deviations and variables being introduced to the production process because yeah. never that, that could affect the uh, the end product, right? And what you want is consistency. Mm-hmm. Um, so what are the different ways of culturing this, this meats, this type of meats? So you could have multi-tray system, you could have roller bottles, uh, mic, micro carriers which i think are super interesting and and scaffolding so i'm just gonna briefly go through some of them uh oh yeah here so the multi-tray systems a cell culture is a cell culture is a major step in the production of cultured meat the choice of the appropriate culture dish or vessel is pivotal a multi-tray system has been developed as an alternative high surface area provided with a single unit although this system has multiple trays that provide multiple cell attachment surfaces handing multiple tea flasks which are which are especially designed um, laboratory flasks to facilitate cell culture growth so um, handing multiple tea flasks may be labor intensive as each tea flask must be managed individually. So it's like that was one of the ways they, they start doing it, but obviously it's not as not as efficient. What like what is a tea flask? <laughs> You've worked in the lab. 
Ja. Heavy culture cells in the flask. Ja. Yeah. Oh, it's just, it's just yeah. a... A cell culture flask. It's just a cell, cell culture yeah. flask that you culture yeah. cells in. Yeah. And, but they can be engineered in a certain way to make them like multi-tray systems to... Different to, type to, them. Yeah, yeah. But it's not the it's not the most optimal way. The uh, and, and step upward is these roll bottles. So as the name suggests, it's a it's a bottle that 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 rolls. keeps rotating rolls. Um, they are low cost maintenance and facilitate large number of cell population, and they also use less culture medium. So uh, again, you can you can make some saves in your business. Uh, they are placed in a gas tight chamber or a case with no chamber could be sealed to keep the cells and medium from drying. And the system also requires a slow driving mechanism, allowing the bottles with cells to slowly rotate, enabling the medium to cover cells evenly and allowing for greater gas exchange. And of course, this is a this is a, an improvement from what we have discussed before. And now I would want to mention the micro carriers. Okay, the micro carriers, I got like really, really uh, excited about them. So in order to mass culture anchor dependent cells, microcarriers are used to establish suspension cultures. Microcarriers use dextron particles for developing large-scale cell cultures in a steered suspension. These dextron particles are micro-sized beads that display positively charged surfaces and attract animal cells that contain negatively charged membranes. Unfortunately, microcarriers suitable for human stem cells and for myoblast expansion, expa expansion or cultured meat production are yet to be developed. To separate the muscle cells from the microcarriers, enzymes can be used, but also uh, application of thermoresponsive material could be temperature dependent, change their surface properties and dislodge the attached cells. And I think that's like really cool. So the, from the this, technological this has never point been of view. made. Not, not, not for the uh, cultured meats. Right, but it has but been like used in other technology exists for like, uh, like uh, like cell culturing. So basically, purposes. you grow once the great once the cells are growing, they're going to attach to the yeah. these dextrose beads. Yeah, and, and that that, fac that facilitates their growth. Oh, okay. And then you can use enzymes to either dislodge it and then separ separate these uh, microchires from the from the meat or you can use thermoresponsive material then you could with the change of temperature also it would dislodge mm. but like the next step forward is to use edible microchires so you might mm. not need to dislodge it at all and i think that uh, that would be like really cool you know that would be the the best well i suppose they haven't done it either way so <laughs> we don't know <laughs> Uh, yeah, so these are like these these are these are these uh, these different techniques that are used to to culture it. But again, the main issue for it is uh, large scale productions because like you can have all of these ideas and you can all you can do all of these things maybe except for the micro carriers now in the in the small setting where you can just grow enough cells to maybe you know make a starter or or, or something like that for the dish. But if you want to supply on the like a population scale you really need to develop like this huge huge containers tanks that would you know facilitate that so in general the objective is to recreate the complex structure of the animal muscle cell and it starts with the biop that the biopsy is taken from the live animal so you don't actually you don't slaughter the animal it's still oh, okay. it's still uncomfortable 
because you have to take make a, a puncture, you have to take a biopsy. The piece of muscle will be cut to liberate the stem cells, which have the ability to proliferate and um, can also transform themselves into different types of cells, such as the muscle cells and the fat cells. The cells will start to divide after they are cultured in the appropriate culture medium and using the appropriate methods that I have mentioned there. And they have to be supplied with nutrients, hormones, and growth factors. The best medium is known to contain fetal bovine serum. And it's a serum made from the blood of a dead <laughs> calf. So like, that's it, yeah. immediately puts off all the vegetarian and vegan people away from that idea. You know, you yeah. like, you can't, you, yeah, because it uses the blood of a dead calf. This is, and as I, as I say here, this is the first red flag. <laughs> Such product is not suitable for consumption for vegetarians or vegans. And from the vegan perspective, there is already a good chunk of population excluded from purchasing this product, you know, because even yeah. if you, even if you can, even if you can convince some vegetarians that like, which I still think it's not very plausible, but in the reviews that I have read, they really try to convey a message that vegetarians could be convinced into eating the cultivated meat. But once you start using these fetal bovine serum, like there's no way they yeah. would want to they would want to eat that. And they have to um they have to use that. Like for, no for now, yes. And like oh sorry, they would have to kill the only way you you'd have to kill an animal. Well, you have that. to you have to blood the calf. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you have. To, it's always funny because I remember yeah when like when you're culturing cells, you always have to use FBS. You always have to use. And this is like the first red red, red flag. FBS is expensive, uh, involves killing calves, and goes against the idea of slaughter-free advertisement that uh, some people have put forward as a slogan for the industry. So a possible solution to the problem was supplied by Professor Mark Post from Maastricht University, uh, the same guy that I've mentioned at <laughs> the start. His team recently published an academic paper about their fetal bovine serum alternative through the process called precision fermentation, where they modified yeasts, where modifying yeasts were used to produce the necessary proteins mm. that are being supplied from the FBS. So there's already, you know, you already start doing these, trying to come up with these uh, solutions to the problems that already exist within the industry. And, I, and uh, as we will see, like the Netherlands are very heavily invested in these uh, cultivated meat field and it's uh, it's nice to see that the guy who ate the first beef <laughs> burger in 2013 is now uh published the this paper was published in nature so it was uh yeah um, it was it was so, cool well was he obviously really had a he, he was hugely invested in i, I think now he, he is it. invested yeah yeah so solution to one problem leads to another problem being driven to the surface People in, invested in the cultivated meat business need to answer question of industry scale up of hormones, growth factors, and uh, in the culture medium needed to sustain cell proliferation and differentiation. And another question is, will they have a negative effect on human health post-consumption? Because yeah, you have to keep driving these, uh, these mm. well, nutrients, hormones, growth factors into the, into the culture to yeah. maintain, to promote the cell growth. and then you have to eat, then, then you intend to eat that tissue. And you know, how, how is that going to affect your own well-being if, if it's going to affect you at all? And again, know. that's the other question is like, where are the source in these growth factors and stuff? Is that animal based as well? Like, isn't you, it usually, it would usually be animal based. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's another, that's another thing that have to be answered. You would hope that we could find derivatives 
of from plants or at least from yeasts or genetically modified yeast that they can produce these uh, these hormones and uh, yeah but there's a lot a lot to be answered and there's a there has to be i feel there has to be a real transparency if they want to produce this mm. if they want to advertise these products as a as a meat product without animal involvement in it except okay, for the okay, biopsy but from the other way yeah so there's more meat eaters than non-meat eaters yeah so in that case they'd be okay with it they wouldn't care yeah so if you could get them depends what kind of demographic you want well not demographic depends what kind of uh, well i I think there's a lot of people out there like me and you who want to stop eating meat yeah environmental reasons this is a this is a good reason yeah no i i i have nothing against eating meat grown with the fbs in it yeah yeah i would still eat that but you you know if you can but at the same time if you can can minimal if you can do it why wouldn't you do it like you know just make it completely yeah for everyone yeah and without suffering of yeah and i'm gonna be keep circulating back into the suffering of the animals regardless of being vegetarian or not vegetarian like suffering of a sentient being is always bad so Another th- another things that need to be answered, which are, I think, the most important one from a meat eater perspective. What is going to be the quality of the meat? Is it just a slime of cells, tissues, or or are they aiming to create products with f- uh, organized fibers, blood vessels, nerves, connective tissue, fat, you know, like you, you, want, you want a steak to have a bit of a fat on it to get that <laughs> taste going, right? Yeah. Am I right? Yeah. <laughs> What is the sensory quality of the product? You know, the flavor of the meat differs across different species. Pork, poultry, bovines, mm. they all taste different. And, you know, what is the animal type? Is it is it a young bull? Is it a heifer? You know, these all of these things, they do, ta- they do taste different, right? Yeah. Well, usually, though, when you buy a meat, like, you don't usually go... Well, I know for, um, for beef... Because it's usually can be heifers or bullocks. You yeah. don't usually go. I want this a heifer meat because it can't but be you, either usually. But you can, you can have, you can make that request. Can you? I don't know that. I've never heard someone go. Can I have it? I want it from a heifer. But I'm sure if you go to like a high quality, like fancy butcher place, mm. like they would, they would have that. But it you is, know? but it is something to think about, like how, how, which one? How do you go about? Like if you have to choose one to streamline it, which do you choose? So exactly, and uh, and. Uh, on top of that, of course, different m- different cuts of meat taste different, right? If mm. you if you cut, if, especially on the beef, right? Different parts of beef give you different different types of steak and and such. So these questions have to be have to be answered. And and for now, I don't know if they're being answered, but these these things, if if they want this product to flu- to fully flourish and um, and be what they what I think we all think about when we sell cultivated meat that we basically get the equivalent of of going to the grocery store store and, and buying chicken breast we want to have an equivalent of that without the need to sacrifice the chicken i think this is the this is the main goal nobody's gonna be satisfied with yeah. buying yeah. a slime of cells you know and then <laughs> trying to fry it on the pan like it's just it's just not gonna happen like it's yeah, just yeah. i'm not gonna eat that then i try it once just to see but it's gonna be disgusting slimy like yeah. i don't want to eat that yeah, so yeah. the the end goal is good quality good quality nice meat. visual visually pleasing kind of a meat that's yeah. not that didn't cause a sacrifice of an animal yeah like so, it has to have all of that not just <laughs> one of them uh yeah exactly 
So um, let's call, let's now talk about like the environmental issues also uh, linked with with the cultivated meat. So in the early and uh, in the early and exploitative study uh, released in 2011 by Tomosito and Texiera de Matos, they concluded that compared to conventional European meat, cultured meat involves 78 to 96% lower greenhouse gas emission, 99% lower land use, and 82 to 96% lower water use. But again, this is from back in 2011. So it is all kind of based on predictions and uh, yeah, based on prediction models. A study from 2015 by Matrick et al. find that cultured meat requires smaller qualities of agricultural input and land than livestock. However, they emphasize that these benefits could come as an expense of more intensive energy use. And that's something that we also have mm. to bear in mind that all of these bioreactors will require a lot of energy input. Yeah. So if, if you're just gonna keep burning fossil fuels to supply the energy for that, yeah. what's gonna be the, the net result? Like, are we gonna be actually saving Earth or are we gonna be just contributing to more? Well, uh, if it's clean energy, then yeah. We well, can. yeah, if you can, if you can do, re if you can use reusable energy, likes of solar panels and such, then water energy, wind energy, wind turbine, then that's fine. But like, if someone just want to cut corners, Mm. and you know shake hands with india or china or any of these big <laughs> emission you left places. out russia russia <laughs> poland you know <laughs> so culture culture meat usually generates much less pollution than beef uh, than beef farming however in the long term cultured meat may even generate more co2 mm. than conventional farming and this is because cultured meat emissions are made almost entirely from co2 uh, from energy generation. And because CO2 remains longer in the atmosphere than meat or nitrous oxide emitted by conventional meat production. So we, we can't forget the fact that these industry, these factories, these labs will still generate their own mm. form of waste, you know, and it I has suppose to the be. It, if, if they, ha like, do you know how, like a timeline of how long do they no, give? I, I don't have a timeline, no. Because like, if it wasn't, if they could, if they could rapidly grow them, and it was within, I don't know, two weeks, then mm -hmm. that's pretty good. It would be um, more it would be more like efficient per unit you would get out of it versus traditional. But if it's still like takes a month, you'd have mm. to wonder then. No, I'm trying to see if I have a timelines here. No, I don't I don't have it here. Like to me, I suppose here. I'd be like, okay, a burger. That's an easy. That should be a relatively easy one because it's not that. It's it's usually just compact mince. Yeah. So you you just grow up the mince or something. Um. So that would be like, to me. It would seem like the easiest one to make. So um, if, yeah, how, chicken, what's the chicken nuggets. Chicken nuggets. <laughs> well, that's the just chicken bread though. But you need to. That'll be breast chicken breasts or well, but the, but you you can just produce slime of chicken meat. And lump it together grind it together yeah yeah that's what chicken nuggets <laughs> are anyway you know what i mean um so yeah these things could be probably grown very very quickly uh, as i said i don't have a timeline i can't yeah. tell you like how how quickly it is being done but um yeah the time is definitely a factor because if you can't supply fast large quantities then nobody's gonna bother with it what i have found it interesting though is kind of looking even more into the future and um 
of course, if we think if you think about the demand, a lot of will be driven by appropriate advertisement and appropriately tar targeting, you know, the, the different groups of, of peoples. Um, on the positive side, due to advances in available technologies, uh, the scientists and people involved in the business think that variant version of meat may be produced, such as a profiled meat. So you could like you could they could culture for, like a tailor-made meat for your requirements. <laughs> So example, for example, you have like some sort of disease that could be treated with appropriate diet intake or nutrients or whatever. You go to the nutritionist and he goes like, look, this is kind of the things you would have to consume. Yeah. And then if there'll be a business that facilitates grown of meats that, that, you know, contains this type of fats and this type of vitamins and this type of vitamin B12, you can like that's That's a business idea of having like tailor-made uh, meats that supply your your specific nutritional requirements and yeah, yeah. but just to talk a little bit about uh, the demand and people that could be addressed with it studies reporting on the responses on cultivated meat demand show huge variability variability the production of participants willing to try cultured meat varies significantly from five to eleven percent and up to sixty five percent those who are more willing to accept the innovations are on average on average, more educated, younger, and more liberal. A major factor affecting acceptance levels in the presence of aesthetic concerns around the taste, texture, uh, appearance, and appearance of the cultured meat. Participants also suggest various other concerns, including unnaturalness, disgust, safety, healthiness, and the anticipated price, of which right. I also don't have the anticipated price. So these are kind of, I think these were like, we hit the most important things, you know, like how the meat is made. Uh, now we know that it's just a biopsy taken from a cow. It still involves a lot of animal products. So a product, the final product in itself is not, is not suitable for vegetarians. But I think we all come to the conclusion, you and I, that it should never really be advertised solely for the vegetarians yeah, trying yeah. to convince <clears throat> them. It's more yeah. for people that already consume meat and but just want to make you maybe make mm. some differences about it. So, and we know that uh, there are benefits to the environment. However, we have to be wary that uh, the factories in itself could contribute to for progressing the emission of the yeah. greenhouse gases uh, itself. So it, it's definitely not an answer to all of the problems associated with animal uh, industry, massive scale mm. animal farming. But I think if approached responsi responsibly, and it, it it could it could make a difference. It could it could become a competitor. Mm. Uh, and the other thing is like it could tick all them boxes that we mm -hmm. were saying, mm -hmm. and then it's like fucking fifty euro for a meat. Or like it, like if it's not priced, yeah. If they're not getting value for your money, no one's gonna buy it. So that, no, that's that's definitely that's what they true. need to bring down. I suppose everything originally is going to be expensive it go, you eventually kind of keep going down and down but like it's the same with electric vehicles they like I, like as much as we talk about Elon Musk he did bring in electric cars that were cheaper so yeah it did make it dry it drove people to be like okay well I can afford it why not buy one try and like whereas if it was like up at a hundred your hundred grand mm. people just wouldn't have bought it wouldn't have bought into it so to give people a, a, the option of of buying meat and non-meat or la cultivated meat you have to make it viable that they c there is a there is a 
uh, it's it's more incentive or we're yeah. not that's it there should be a, it's a harder for them to not buy it they'd be like okay well they're at the same price this is better for the environment <laughs> maybe i should buy it so but even i okay so i'll tell you my example like now me and my relationship with me if i when i go to the store like i'm not now i'm buying like this uh uh, these meats, these cods that have like that, they have this bio label on it, and like they are okay. more ex- they are more expensive than than the other um, meats available on there. But like I come from the now, my thinking is like I'm not eating that meat every day. Um, it's only on on days, as I said, when I when I exercise, and like, and I know that I'm making not the best decision, but I'm making mm. the the better choice by, you know, maybe buying this more expensive meat, but I have somehow moral justification maybe that this particular animal had the slightly better life than the other yeah. animal. I don't know, like this, you can, not everything can ser- be served up to you. You also have to make some- Yeah, but like, uh, this, I, the, how much more is it? It's not like it's hugely more. It's like another euro or two euro, is it? Well, if I well, no, it's it's more expensive, like straight up. But if I, but I yeah, wouldn't. But it's not significant. It's not like. Well, I would feel a difference in my wallet if I would were to buy, uh, these sort of meats at the frequency that I was buying the odd, the the cheaper mm. ones. Like that would I, that would make a dent in my wallet, but like because I have reduced the meat consumption now, and I can I can you know buy these other not better cuts, but hopefully. Yeah meats that are derived from animals that i don't want to say that they lived happier life because it's idiotic to say that because at the end of the day they die they died but like yeah what whatever you know what i'm trying to say yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. they they I, had a better conditions let's put it that way yeah although yeah. I, I feel like a hypocrite saying this but okay never mind okay but um yeah i suppose i kind of get because like i always buy like for, for example mints i always mm-hmm. buy the five percent like the fat one versus the ten percent, mm-hmm. and it's always more expensive. But I'm like, it's better for me. Yeah. So I'm willing to pay the extra. So it's just whether people are willing to like buy into the yeah the belief. I still think yeah, if it's a bit dearer, but like I just saying more significantly dearer. Yeah. That's that's the the issue, and like I suppose if we 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 yeah, if you can get I suppose even a small percentage off meat. Hmm. Um, then maybe it is worth it. I mean, I completely agree with you. If you if you can buy, for example, like here, for chicken breast, seven hundred fifty grams of chicken breast for, let's say, seven eighty euro. Yeah. Compared to equivalent of that of the cultivated meat, which will cost seventy euro. <laughs> then you know, yeah. I can I can I can see how people are gonna struggle with it. You know. Um, but I, w- I want to ask you a question. That's that's. I'm closing this now because I've been rambling about for a very long time. I just some ethical issues. I think this is always fun yeah. to talk a little bit about the ethical issues. So, so my question to you is: there is a moral opposition to cultivated meat, the, and the moral opposition to it is that if cultured meat disrupts the conventional production sector, farm animals will be considerably less numerous and possibly even disappear. The argument goes like, animal farming has been common for over 9,000 years and is a part of the history of humanity and our relationship with nature and the animal kingdom. 
So many claims that the farm animals benefit from their interactions with humans. We do, we do animals a favor by producing and eating them because otherwise they would not exist. Do you think that this is a, a valuable argument to support the current uh, practices of animal farming? That without uh, that, there'll be no... I think do- it's definitely overblown the whole, oh, if we switch to lab meat or cultivated meat, that they're going to, this whole decimated the traditional farm. And I'm like, I don't think that's going to really happen. Um, I do think like changes need to happen in traditional farming that they just can't we can't just keep going the way we're going as it is and i think farmers themselves are very reluctant um i suppose because costs are so high for them yeah um like to to introduce measures to cut carbon emissions or like cut their emissions from the cattle could increase their their prices again and their like the margins again are so small for them Mm -hmm. i do Mm -hmm. see that it is tough to try and like and but uh, the other argument i see a lot of people is like we need to cut um our stock numbers but i'm like if we cut our stock numbers in ireland it's just simply going to be that other countries are going to pick it up like brazil and argentina is that really what's going to solve it i'm like that's not the way to solve it we need to come up with more innovative ways uh, Mm. of doing it um but again back to the other question as you said like oh it's going to impact um this farming the mm-hmm. tradition that's going back nine thousand years but i i do agree it's going to be like if 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 it did like just say within 10 years this cultivated meat like completely changed the world or how we eat meat and then farmers are adopt like what do they do like where do what 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 work do they do and what happens to the land like like where i live land isn't great you can't really use the land for i know people are like oh you grow crops i'm like you can't really grow crops on in the land. west of ireland like yeah. it's not good land so what do you do exactly um so like do you just leave it overgrow like you kind of need to have animals to manage the, the the fields to manage the land um it's 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 like it's it will completely put a lot of people out of work um and and it's just like there's uh, there's no way of like what do you do with the land then no like, exactly it's not it's not as simple as just like leave it there and you can't really grow crops like to some extent maybe but like i don't know if there's any like for where i am i think using animals like farm traditional farming is the best way to make use of that land rather than trying to cultivate crops which they yeah. say is the best way as it is now like ireland is uh, the weather is not suited for like grains or all that so you'd be just like maybe for, like some kind of um crop growth but i i don't know i just don't think it's a it's viable, a tricky question like right viable but, alternative yeah. i think it the best way for me i think is like coming up maybe with breeds of cattle that should be incentivized that have less emissions trying to come up with feed that stops so mm-hmm. much emissions like I know Ireland is still bad as it is. They do have a problem with animals and for traditional farming, but I do think that we're actually good that there is animals aren't kept in sheds all year in Ireland. Most of them are outdoors, and I think they actually eat tr- normal grass. That's why the meat and dairy is so good here because they actually get out. They eat traditional grass, traditional grass, traditional grass. grass. <laughs> yeah, they eat grass that's out, so they get a normal diet. Whereas it's the ones that are in sheds, like 
in cattle sheds all year they're getting yeah. fed this meal fed this um food that that this, isn't good that's more counter like more in, promotes uh this methane production so mm. that i think they're the bigger ones yeah that have the problem i'm not saying ireland doesn't have a problem but we do have like we do need to but i think rather than us it needs to be looked at these countries that to have cattle in sheds all year round they're given the same meal mm. production to incentivize their growth sell off kill these are the ones that are the ones i think that are the most problematic when yeah. it comes to global warming so i think they're the bigger ones that we need to target um and i i do think if we can cut them down like these massive farming yeah. places that just keep that that they they're not out on the land there's no like there's just the land is just used for like making meat feed for the animals mm. i'm thinking that's the better one to target because i think then they could be better for like crop growth and stuff so yeah it's it's kind of it's a hard one to know but i i do think them ones if they can be targeted if they can be like reduced down the numbers of them mm-hmm. um i'm just thinking rather than where it is in ireland yeah yeah well it's a i don't think there's like a an answer that mm. you know will resolve all of these issues but of course on the one one side yes i and throughout this this when i was reading about this like I always had in mind this this is what you said this 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 enormous large industrial farming yeah. operations where the animals are really uh m- mistreated i mm. i don't really feel that you know we should like specifically attack these these local farmers that that do doing their own bit and you know just just trying to supply food maybe to the you know local community and maybe sell it off to let's say from sligo to dublin to to markets yeah something like that i don't think they are i don't think they are like the massive problem like the the massive problem are they you know these completely dehumanizing places where an animal is seen as a product from the moment it's taken from from the mother to the moment it's being shot in the head or yeah. whatever are the means of, of killing um, calf or pigs or poultry. I don't know. Mm, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but like I do think there there isn't enough... I don't think people realize from these cities, like a lot of people in cities don't realize are in big towns, never been out on a farm, never been mm-hmm. there. They're like, yeah, it's it, well and good to say, oh, I'm for environmental reasons i'm going to be vegetarian or vegan but like but how what what do you think is how what do you see what do we do with farms as they are now yeah and they don't really know there's and no it is, answer yeah so um just to shut down farms isn't the answer you and can't just shut it down overnight no that's but i do def- think they, i think answer. they are doing good work like they're on about i know in in ireland they're on about trying to introduce types of seaweed that reduce emissions um mm-hmm. they've done research into that and i think chagas is trying to investigate because obviously it's in their interest to keep farming going so i do think <laughs> there is work being done but yeah again as i said the big farming complexes yeah i think they're the, the ones. main culprit right i don't think anyone yeah. is going after like Paddy or Keith. Yeah, but I do. I I don't think we can take completely have be absolved of blame either. Them farmers as well. So they need to buy into some changes because I know a lot of them don't agree or don't even believe they they believe it, but they're like, oh, what can I do? I'm yeah. just a farmer, and like everyone has, pro- everyone needs to d- be able to deal with this issue. We can't all just keep going continuing the way it's going. We all need to make some changes. Yeah. Um. 
so yeah i think that's yeah well think think yeah it's a it's a moral dilemma uh, another one that i liked <laughs> that i came across was a uh, uh, cultured meat opens the door for the consumption of human flesh because nothing stops you from growing a uh, yeah. hum- human flesh and of course the, the 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 answer to it is like that should be just straight up banned you know mm, like you yeah. should not be allowed to culture human meat for consumption but why because that's sick but like the <laughs> yeah it is but like it's just a, it's a lab one meat what's yeah, to make it different still, to animal there's a moral okay. issue with cannibalism but the old moral issue with cannibalism wasn't it because it was like you could risk of getting prions and and think that was it. I so think it was the more mid- the more moral problem with the cannibalism was like <laughs> killing and killing eating human meat, like yeah, you know, I'd, like that was the main issue. So if you take that away, look, Evan, if you want to just grow somewhere a piece of bicep <laughs> of someone, saying. like. And I just don't, I just, I think it's, I think it's a pathological. I think it's pathological and I don't think it's wrong. This is where I draw a line as a meat eater. Okay. Okay. Beef, chicken, pork, that's all good. But it's just human meat consumption is where I, I just don't agree with that. Uh, Different religious leaders have different uh, perspectives on it. Mm. As, As you might know, like the Jewish communities and Muslim communities, they eat the kosher and halal meat. And they don't so, eat pork. And in. they don't eat pork. Yes, some of the some of the religious leaders of uh, the uh, Islamic faith, they say on one hand that is actually a, a something that they would be interested in. Indonesia, which has has the world's largest Muslim population, uh, the 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 head the the leader of the Muslim population over there made a statement uh, putting the cultivated meat in the category of carcasses which is illegal which is unclean and forbidden to be consumed right so you know different different leaders have different uh, takes on it uh the jewish so communities in uk are sort of interested in this uh in the in this meat given that the biopsy will be taken from a uh what what do the they eat the kosher meat right the yeah uh, yeah i don't know where kosher is yeah what kosher is but i i also don't know but i know it's it's quite expensive to buy kosher meat so they they can see that there could be an avenue for them if the if the if the biopsy is derived from a, a kosher animal i don't really know what that what substitute a kosher animal but yeah so there are some religious dis- discrepancies within faiths as well and the last thing that i want to say is that the Netherlands made a history in April of 2022 when the government announced that it has awarded 60 million to support the creation of national cellular agriculture ecosystem as part of the country's national growth fund. The amount represents the largest ever investment in cellular agriculture by the national government. In 2022, Dutch company called Meetable uh, which is based in Delft, celebrate expansion to Singapore, and now they are refining processes to grow cultivated meat using OptiOX technology, which means they won't be needing to use the FBS in their products. Wow. Which is great. The regulations that cultured meat must comply comply with are included in the National Food Act, Food Act of the European Union. The inspection is done by the European Food Safety Authority, but it is still unclear to companies what type of nutritional and toxolo- toxo- toxicological evidence the EFSA requires. 
and it's expected that such process can take almost two years. That's why majority of companies, startup companies set up in the EU, export their food into the Indonesia, into the Singapore. Oh, if you, okay. if you they, want, they can do it. They're yeah. accepting of it already. They already have created our um, bodies that govern the uh, cultivated meat um, business. And it's very streamlined. They know what they're looking for. They know what nutritional factors they are after. And it's just much more easier to get this product out on not only into the restaurants, but also into the markets, into the shelves of the shops where people can buy it. So if Evan, if you and I really, really want to try cultivated meat, we have to go uh, to, to Indonesia, yeah, to okay. Singapore. Right. So uh, maybe, maybe, maybe it's a maybe it's a way to go. Yeah, no, uh, but uh, thanks. That's it's really interesting to see where we're at, and yeah, I think people don't need to worry just yet because I don't think it's any way going to revolutionize it's not over it's just it's still a few years out yet that we're going to see indeed this this available so but it's good to talk about where we're at and that implications for everyone so yeah, yeah thanks for that no i thought it was like super interesting like i mm. yeah i really want to apparently i've heard that there is somewhere in amsterdam a place that you that they can print food for you like a right. 3d printing but uh i've also heard that it is super expensive and uh, it tastes exactly like meat so why would you go there just for the novelty of seeing your food yeah. being printed if you can get the same thing in the if you go but to the restaurant but is it animal meat or lab grown meat uh that i don't know it was just it was just the novelty that is a 3d printed meat uh, okay yeah. right i can just <laughs> get to mcdonald's and get i mean seriously right same <laughs> just write my name on it or something um yeah, so is that it? Is that's it. That's a wrap. Yeah, that's yeah. a wrap. Yeah. Okay, so that's cool. Um, thanks for that. It's really good yeah. overview of lab mung meat. Let us know in the if you will ever want to taste lab yeah. mung meat and, and what if, your as, thoughts of it. As a vegetarian, um, would you ever be convinced yeah. if all the red flags will be addressed? Like, would you ever convince giving up your yeah, assuming years of not eating meat? Yeah, you can always let us know uh, on our Instagram, Skeptically Inclined. We have Twitter, mm -hmm. at Skeptically I, and we have a, a Gmail, so it's skepticallyinclined at gmail.com, skeptically with a C. Um, so yeah, thanks for listening to this episode. We give a good overview of our New Year's resolutions, what we're going to try and do, become healthier. Yes. Um, and I give a, go a quick overview of what, science events to watch for in 2023 so the next gen vaccines what stargazing moon moon missions alzheimer drugs and CRISPR therapies and then tom gave us a lovely overview of lab grown meat lab grown meat meat in the vat exactly so thanks for listening to today's episode i hope you enjoyed it yeah. and um yeah next episode um is our 50th episode we're still not sure what we're going to do, but we want to try and celebrate it. We try and celebrate it, yes. <laughs> we'll do a live episode. Oh, gosh. Oh, oh gosh. In front of our two fans. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I hope, thank, I hope you can listen to that as well. Um, so, yeah, it should be good. Uh, and, yeah, anything else, Tom? No, just want to say stay skeptical. And, uh, Evan, I'll be seeing you next week for a good old party again. Yeah. And uh, chat to you guys on the next one. Yeah. Bye. Good luck. Bye-bye.